another episode of the College Neuro Network, a podcast series part of the Simply Neurosciences The Synapse. My name is Anamika. And my name is Lena, and we're your hosts for today. The College Neuro Network has discussions with undergraduate students and professors in order to gain insight into the neuroscience departments of and the opportunities within the nation's top universities. Today's episode is focused on Brown University, a world-renowned Ivy League research university in Providence, Rhode Island that emphasizes the opportunity it provides students to design their own academic journeys. With its signature open curriculum, collaborative atmosphere, and commitment to the undergraduate experience, Brown ranks number 14 in the national universities by the U.S. News and World Report. Today, joining us is Professor Hart, a professor of neuroscience and the director of the neuroscience graduate program at Brown University. She teaches classes concerning genetics and neurobiology, and beyond teaching, Professor Hart has done some amazing research that uses genetics to better understand neurological disease, sensory signaling, sleep, and fatigue. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today to discuss your experiences at Brown. It's a pleasure to talk to you. To begin, could you please briefly introduce yourself and share what sparked your interest in neuroscience as well as any other fields? Sure. Actually, I grew up in a small town in Illinois, but I was always interested in science. Um, and, you know, so read Psychology Day and tried to understand stuff in Scientific American. But um, when I got to the university, I started looking around. I took a degree in biochemistry because I was interested in more molecular stuff. And then when I went to grad school, I was said, I'm neuroscience. I want to understand how nervous system works, right? And so um, from there, I spent some time working with flies, which seemed a little odd. Then I started working with worms when I, um, after I got my graduate degree. And it's been a lot of fun to do use genetic tools and a little worm, try and figure out basic principles of how, um, how a nervous system senses the outside world and also how diseases um, like ALS and um, what, what goes wrong in neurons. That's really interesting. It sounds so cool to like, learn about like, our bodies and what goes on inside of them. So we also noticed, as you were saying, that you do a lot concerning biology, genetics, and neuroscience. So what drove you towards pursuing those specific interests together? Realistically, when I was, I was always interested in the nervous system, the brain, how it works. Um, when I took genetics, actually, as an undergraduate or in, in high school or in college, I thought it was really boring. All I had to do, it was drawing these punnett squares. It seemed so abstract. But then when I got into grad school and started doing research, I realized what you could do using genetics as a tool. Oh, wait, if you get rid of this gene, it changes how the animal behaves. Or if I get rid of this gene, you know, suddenly the neurons that would have died live. And so when I, so I use really genetics as a tool to try and understand the nervous system, along with a bunch of other stuff like behavioral studies, molecular biology, and biochemistry, and collaborating with people who use other techniques. I think it's really interesting just like how interdisciplinary neuroscience is. I know that's one of the factors that kind of drew me to it. So it's really cool that you can bring in genetics and other fields. So moving on to a more like general topic, 
What factors distinguish Brown University, in your opinion, from other institutions? And what factors drew you personally to come work there? Ah, that's two questions. So the first one would be, what distinguishes Brown from other universities that you guys might be thinking of attending or being interested in? Brown's, I think, interesting because it's very student-driven in the sense of the students can often, even within the major of neuroscience, where we know you're gonna need to take some, you know, some biochemistry, some biology, you need enough math skills and stats, statistics to understand things. But then within that, then students can really design their own major to make it much more computational or much more molecular biochemical or much more, you know, psychology cognitive based. So there's a lot of flexibility for the students, first of all. And then the other thing is Brown is small enough that um, the faculty and the faculty there, faculty are at Brown because they want to work with students. It's not like, you know, they could go to some research institute somewhere and never deal with a student, but the students, faculty like having students in their lab. And so, I don't know, I think half to a third of the neuroscience students um, do research in the labs, you know, at the bench working with professors. So that's sort of a unique opportunity. I mean, I went to Michigan State, so to get into a lab was hard. You know, 10,000 undergrads, there's not that many professors. So Brown's small enough that you can find a professor to work with. For me, it was that, well, two things. One was working with students. Uh, first part of my career, I was at a place where working with students was totally not essential. It was just a research institute. And occasionally I would have students, but not often. Whereas at Brown, I have grad students, I have undergrad. It's fun having everybody in the lab learning things and doing research with me. Um, the other thing I like about Brown neuroscience is it spans the gamut. So we have people who are very computational, people who are very, you know, across the whole field of neuroscience. And so I have done collaborative studies with people who do, you know, machine vision learning. We have a paper coming out on that, trying to figure out, you know, how worms, you know, how fatigue works in worms. I could never have imagined doing that some other places. And so you kind of already addressed this, but our next question was actually going to be like, what would you say sets Brown neuroscience apart specifically from other universities? Yeah, the breadth is one of them. And the fact that it's so interactive, probably. Mm -hmm. and from, a, from, and from an undergraduate's point of view, it's sort of a design your own major. Going off of that and talking about how Brown is more like interactive with students, how has your experience been as a neuroscience professor at Brown? And what do your teaching responsibilities look like? Are the neuroscience classes at Brown, like, how are they structured? Are they more like lecture or what? Yeah, uh, well, I guess we're going to talk about this in pre-COVID first, <laughs> right? There's one, in, there's a couple intro courses that are, students will end up taking no matter where you go that are pretty big. Like, you know, your lecture for physics might be large, even though your dissertate, your discussion sections are small. Um, all of the Brown students though, by the time they're in their junior or senior year are certainly taking small, you know, discussion classes, they all end up reading papers. Um, I mean, 
in science. There are other classes, of course, they take as freshmen that are small discussion classes. There's actually a um, first readings class where a professor sits and reads something even just as the students are arriving and talks to them. So I think what the class is, is mixed, but there's a good, large enough number of professors in ratio to students that um, it's not enormous classes all the time. It's great. What do I teach? Um, I teach one of those upper level undergraduate reading courses. And it was genes. I think, I think I call it genes, brains, and behavior. So we do discuss, can discuss everything from migration to disease, to learning, to, to love and affiliative behavior. I also teach the first year graduate students their basics of cell biology and genetics. Classes sound so interesting. I love how it seems like there are so many topics combined into one class. So going off of that, what has been your favorite class that you've been able to teach? Oh, interesting. What's my favorite class I've been able to teach? Uh, I like, that's tough. I mean, I teach one class to, to grad, hmm. I like the, uh, for the undergraduates, I like the senior discussion class. It's been small enough that I get to know each of the students and we talk about, you know, the topics. There's like eight or 10 of us in a room when we're talking about a different science paper every week. That, that's more fun. I've never actually had to teach one of the giant lecture classes. That's so cool that the classes are like so small because I feel like in high school, like all the classes are really big, at least where I am. So how accessible is it for undergraduates if they ever need help to like get help from a professor or in office hours? Um, I would say that Brown does a really good job of supporting its students. They're very committed to them in multiple ways. Um, I mean, and I think professors are just one part of that. Okay. So professors all have office hours um, and the professors um, and all of the students who have a, someone to advise them on picking classes and come and talk to them and help them with writing, writing left reference letters. Um, Brown also has a lot of support outside the classroom, whether it's the Sheridan Center for Teaching, um, leadership initiatives, um, centers for um, people of color, you know, LGBT. There's a whole bunch of support systems for students here on campus. We, um, I'm gonna say, we want to help the students who come here succeed. It's really great to hear that because like you said, I know there's a lot of, especially near me, like big state universities where it's really hard to kind of interact with professors. So going on to a different topic, I know that the open curriculum is really something that's defined Brown in recent years. So how would you say the policy impacts students who study neuroscience? I think it lets them craft a degree that put together a degree that really fits their interest with the advice of someone who says, sitting down, you know, a professor sits down with each student and says, okay, what do you want to do when you leave here? What are you interested in? You know, oh, you're interested in policy in addition to neuroscience? Well, there's classes you can take sometimes where you're going to be, um, you know, you, you can learn some more about that as an in addition to taking some of these core classes, or you're more interested in industry, sort of pharmaceutical stuff, maybe you also want to take a business classes too. So the, and 
quite a few students do double majors too, but some of them just have minors. So it's, I think one of the advantage of the open curriculum is the students in effect are determining a lot about based on their interests with the advice, what would best fit into their degree. Yeah, that really allows for a lot of personalization. So I'm glad that that's a policy at Brown. And moving on to research, what does your current neuroscience research focus on and what topics have you researched in the past? Oh, yeah. So what is our current research on? Um, I'd say that most, a big chunk of the lab is working on neurodegenerative disease. We want to know why neurons die in these diseases and how to stop it. So mostly we focused on now on ALS, you know, um, remember the ice pack challenge? So that was really, that was really helpful in, in, in providing support. Um, the ALS association. So ALS and frontal temporal dementia, which is um, um, related to Alzheimer's disease. And we also have a project starting now on Huntington's disease. Um, and we have worked and we have more coming out on spinal muscular atrophy, which is disease that actually one in 40 of us is a carrier of this, which is it's surprisingly common and it affects children and newborn infants. But we, again, we still don't know from any of these diseases, we don't know why the neurons die. And so I use the genetic approaches and tools available in C. elegans first to create a disease model in the worm and then try and figure out what genes we can turn off or on in order to make the worm neuron survive. And then I work with my collaborators to say, why don't you try that in your mouse model? Or why don't you try that in your model? And we'll see if we can, we found something that's universal that really touches what is going on in the disease. Another part of lab, we're studying sleep and fatigue. And there, um, we're trying to get at the basics of things. If you think about sleep, we know a lot about circadian when you sleep and how light can drive this, you know, um, but we don't really understand the how of how sleep happens. I mean, how do you go into the sleep state, stay there and come out again? It's, it's amazing to me. This is still a mystery. So again, the worms sleep just like flies sleep and dogs sleep and jellyfish sleep. And so the same basic mechanisms are at work at the worms that are at work in larger animals like us. And so we're just trying to understand the basic mechanisms of sleep and also fatigue. What is it that drives us um, to feel this tired feeling after we exercise or at the end of a long day? What have we worked on in the past? I've pretty, I've, we've done more work on sensory stuff in the past, like how do, do animals smell and touch and sense different things in the environment. We're not doing as much sensory stuff anymore. We've sort of shifted over to sleep. That's so interesting that you mentioned the sleep thing because we learned about sleep last year and I had the same question. It was just so interesting how like the whole process works, even though it's something we've been doing our whole lives. What is your favorite topic out of all of the things that you research and what's something that you maybe hope to research in the future? Okay, I'll tell you now, the, the problem with science is there are so many interesting questions. I'm really interested in both the neurodegenerative diseases that we're working on and why the neurons die and figuring that out. Um, 
we have been able to make new, hmm, you've heard of CRISPR-Cas9, new ways to edit the genes. We now have a whole new bunch of tools because of that that we can use to get at that problem. Um, and in the sleep fatigue milieu, I'm really interested in understanding not just like fatigue and sleep, but also why is it so bad for you when you don't get it? I mean, why does it, we're, we're actually hoping to study why lack of sleep tends to make, give you, you know, cardiac problems and metabolic disease and more prone to diabetes and illness. So those are questions we hope to address soon. So cool. Well, when you do address them, it'll be really interesting to read and everything. Well, how accessible is it for undergraduates at Brown to conduct research? I know you touched on it earlier. Yes, yeah, so it's pretty accessible. I'd say the, and it, it's not unusual every year for me to get a couple undergraduates joining my laboratory. Um, this year is tough. You know, it's with the COVID world, it's hard to get multiple people in the room at the same time. We're hoping this lifts and we can go back to having six or eight grads, undergraduates in the lab working every year. So um, I'd say it's pretty easy. If you can find time in your schedule to do it, then you can find a lab to work with. The only advice I'll have to give to you is to not wait until you're finishing your junior year to look for a lab to work with. You might, you need to start earlier. The biggest problem I think Brown students have is they're, in, they're doing so much other stuff that they um, want to do lab and they want to be part of sports and they want to be part of, you know, acapella or some social justice movement. It's finding time to get everything done. Mm -hmm. So on the topic of COVID-19, we were just also kind of curious, how have you had to adapt because of like transitioning to online classes or maybe even like online research? How has that been? <laughs> um, it's been an adjustment. So one, one I think, good long-term change that's going to come out of this, this silver lining in this horrible black cloud, is that a lot of faculty are moving to flipping their lectures. You know, having you show up, sit in a chair, and listen to me talk for an hour, that, that, that's, that's not necessarily ideal when instead you can sit at home with a cup of something warm, and when I say something you don't understand, you can just roll back and listen to it again. And then if it's made sense, or you can whiz through it if you've heard it at 1.5x speed. So I think a lot of lectures are going to be flipped now, which means instead you, two can, you can come to class and we'll start talking about what you have questions about, or let's do some workshop thing. There's going to be a lot more taking advantage of flipping stuff so that our interaction is in more depth and more interesting than just a lecture. For small discussion classes, I think it's more fun if we're all in the room, but you know, Zoom is adequate for now, I guess. And in terms of your research, has that have to been like put on hold or have you adapted to like doing online research some way? Oh, it's hard to do online research when you have to move little animals around. So yeah, actually, the lab, the lab was pretty much on hold for two months during the shutdown, but people are back in lab now probably at 80%, 75% time. And now they can go home when they need to do all their, 
they do all their reading from home or, you know, analyzing their data. So we're pretty much back up and running now. Yeah, that's good to hear. So transitioning back to like Brown students, how would you describe like the typical Brown University student and the culture on campus and what qualities do successful undergrads and graduate students have at Brown? I would say the typical Brown student is interested in doing much more, you know, and doing a lot of stuff. They are excited by their classes because they've helped choose them and they know why they're taking them. They're usually involved in multiple things, whether, you know, even if it's, you know, gaming and ultimate Frisbee and, you know, you know, reaching out to the community and mentoring high school students and, you know, everything you can think of. So they seem to be all in on multiple fronts, right? Um, so they're very busy um, getting what they, you know, getting everything done they can. What makes a successful student, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it in, you know, for, for each of us. It's, we have to figure out what we want. We want to try a lot of stuff. And sometimes we try stuff and we're like, no, I didn't like that. I'm going to try something else. So it's a matter of jumping in and doing stuff. And so we mentioned before how you're involved with the graduate program in neuroscience at Brown. And we know a lot of students typically have the issue with should they attend grad school or should they go to med school or should they just get a job? So what would you say, like, how can students know whether they want to attend grad school? What types of career paths might they get after attending grad school? And maybe you could just briefly describe what the graduate program looks like at Brown. Sure. You don't need to know before you go to your undergrad whether you want to go to grad school or be a doctor. I mean, I also, when I was an undergraduate, was like, maybe I want to be a doctor, maybe I want an MD, PhD, maybe I want a PhD. So that's, I think, a, that's why you want to get the opportunity you can to work in a lab for, for at least summers or a month at a time. So you say, oh, so if I'm a researcher at the bench, I'll be doing this all the time, right? And you either will find that you you love that because um or you'll be like yeah this is good but really i'd rather be a doctor you know so students who are in my lab often are also volunteering in the hospital so they can understand what that's like too yeah people don't do um the the one thing that i think is a misconception is pe I, when i was an undergrad i thought that research would mean i'd be a little in a little tiny room all by myself doing research and no, it's really interactive. It's very much team science. We, we talk a lot about research. We share researches. We interact with other labs. It's super interactive doing being a scientist. How to make the decision about going to grad school versus MD? Um, I'd say try them out. Try out what you can. And um, I guess you could talk maybe a little bit more about the career paths. Is it just research after you go to graduate school or are there other things you could do? Oh, yeah, no. So the graduates, first of all, people who enter the graduate program at Brown come from a bunch of different fields. Some of them, you know, have computer science degrees. Some of them have, you know, biology degrees. Some of them have neuroscience degrees. Um, all of them have done time, spent time doing research, or they've graduated undergrad degree, and then they worked for a couple of years as a tech. It's technician doing research in someone's lab. There's a lot of openings for that. 
And so they know that they want to, they like doing research, but when they get to grad school, they'll often evolve and some of them say, you know, I like research, but really I love teaching. And so they end up wanting to go to places where they'll do a lot of teaching, whether it's, you know, high schools or primarily teaching colleges or universities. Some of them definitely go on to do research, but some of them also go on to go to law school. I know people work at pharmaceutical companies. Right, yeah, there's people do a lot of different stuff. And uh, I should also say, Brown is, the Brown Neuroscience and graduate programs in general are totally aware that not everyone's gonna be a professor. And so they have people from industry and from the legal community and other places come in and talk to the grad students every year so they know about the different choices they have. That's so cool that you guys have people that come and like introduce the undergraduates to all the different career paths and the fact that it isn't just like one road that you have to go down. So kind of reaching off of that, what advice would you have for high school students and how can they get involved in the field, especially like research and do you have any recommendations for series or programs that they can check out? Uh, let's see, what advice do I have? This will sound very, uh, let's see, what advice do I have? Um, one level of advice I have is um, learning to talk, communicate, and work with other people is important no matter what you're going to decide to do with your life. I mean, it'll help you in, you know, grad school and college, but being able to write effectively and communicate effectively, that's really important. And get along with other people, work with people on beyond just like, I did really well on this test, so now I want to go to school. So learning to work with people is important on top of scholastics and communication. Yeah, getting involved in research as a high school student is tough. I agree with you. The, um, I've taken high school students in my lab. I would check out local places because, you know, they're the most likely to be able to do something with the time you have available or summer research programs, if you can find them. You want... Um, and don't think you just have to target yourself at, you know, oh, there's a university here. There's also you know, hospitals and companies, any place where you can do some form of research. It doesn't have to be with a professor at a university or college. Right? So ask, look around locally and see what there is available. I mean, where I grew up, there was a U United States Department of Agriculture place. In retrospect, I should have just gone and asked them if they had something. Even though they were working on corn, I learned a lot about learning how to do research. Well, that wraps up our questions for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us for the College Year Network. Your responses were so insightful and will definitely help high school students who are listening and researching colleges and interested in majoring or minoring in neuroscience. It's a pleasure to be off. Thank you.